former U.S. attorney, uh, Tim Purden, the reason I wanted to visit with you is uh, you've got so much experience when it comes to uh, Native American laws um, and kind of the, the current environment of things going on related to the Dakota Access Pipeline protest. And uh, I wanted to take get your take on what you've seen in the legislative session following, or I guess even during the protest, because what I've seen is uh, not a whole lot of action to prevent things like this in the future, more just, re- not, and I shouldn't even say retaliation, uh, uh, but uh, laws that have passed that have taking care of things on the back end after a protest has already started. So what's your take on how the legislative sessions handled this? Yeah, I think it's important uh, when you think about um, what we've been through over the last, I guess, nine months now with the Dakota Access Pipeline protest. I mean, to identify the, the I think, four institutions that, that have been involved and to look at, you know, what what they did what they what their role was what their part in consultation was to get us to the to where we ended up which is which is not an ideal place i mean confrontation between between protesters water protectors and law enforcement that result in in an arrest of over arrest of over 800 people which completely clogs and disrupts the court system i mean that that's not a that's not an acceptable outcome to any sort of consultation or government-to-government process. And so you've got four actors that were involved here, right? You've got the tribe, um, you've got the uh, four, four entities that were involved, the tribe, the state, the federal government, and then energy transfer partners. And when you, when you look back at this, uh, the, 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 the tribe's central allegation is, is that the federal government, acting through the Army Corps of Engineers, did not engage in appropriate consultation with the Standing Rock tribe over the placement of the pipeline. And that, that dispute between the federal government and the tribe is, is being worked out in a – I mean, the, the two parties disagree, but that, that, that's being worked out in a courtroom in Washington, D.C. And in our society, that's how we settle disagreements, right? You go to court. Right. And so that disagreement – there's a disagreement over consultation, and then that's moving forward in Washington. Um, you know the disagreement between the state uh, and the the tribe, which is the one that that you've you've sort of teed up here. You know we heard all through the fall uh, the public service commission say, well, you know we held hearings and the tribe never showed up, and you know we had this consultation process and they didn't participate in it, and therefore it's their fault. You know, after a lot of reflection and thinking about that, my my, my current reaction to that is, well, you know, how's that working out for you uh, as a result of this process that you claim was fine? You've had over 800 people arrested. Your court system over in Morton County has been brought to its knees in terms of the the overload of cases. You've spent over $30 million of state funds on law enforcement. It doesn't sound like, from the state's perspective, that was a successful consultation process. It doesn't sound like there was a that 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 worked out well for the state. And so, you know, the legislature. Maybe, as you point out, probably could have taken some steps to not find themselves in that position again. They haven't done anything in that regard, and 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 that's I think short-sighted. Um, the other actor, Energy Transfer Partners, you know, they 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 cannot be happy with the way that this played out. I mean, the delay of their pipeline has cost them I don't know hundreds of millions of dollars, billions right. of dollars. So this is not what they wanted either. And then the you know the final actor here is the tribe and, and and everyone you know as you know Tyler I live in live in Bismarck a lot of my friends are Republican very not a lot of people agree with me on a lot of these issues and that's fine but <laughs> yep. but they tell me you know the tribe has really lost this this has been really bad for the tribe well 
you know, the tribe's efforts here early in the fall, um, when 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 the protest was more of a of a you know the seven Sioux nations Lakota protest before a lot of the outsiders and enviros came in, and 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 again, I I. Uh, I'm not sure that that was particularly helpful always to the tribe's position, but early in the fall, the position here was of the tribe was to try and get the federal government to do a full environmental impact study. Well, as you'll recall, that actually happened, right? The Department of the Army Corps of Engineers, Department of Interior, they stopped, uh, they stopped the pipeline process, and then eventually the Army Corps eventually decided, yes, we're going to do a full EIS last mm-hmm. fall. The tribe's efforts were actually successful. Now, the intervening election of Donald Trump has reversed that, and, and the legality of Trump's actions will be decided again by the court in Washington. But I, it, is, it is interesting for me in Bismarck when I listen to people tell me how the tribe somehow got this wrong. You know, the tribe is the one who actually accomplished their goal uh, before before the, the election uh, in November. And and the state, uh, the, the folks, uh, you know, the, the, the PSC and the folks that say, well, there's nothing wrong with our process. Our process was was great. You know, the state's the one with a with some problems over in the Morton County court system and a, and a $33 million bill, and they haven't done anything to figure out how they're going to interact with tribes going forward. And, and you know, I, I kind of summarize all that by this and say, whatever your government is, whatever your agency is, whatever your institution is, a consultation process that ends with the use of rubber bullets and riot police and fire hoses and over 800 people arrested, that is not a successful consultation process. Oh, right. Uh, just right. by definition, right? Yeah. So, so we, we, so legislature, of course, has the ability to do to take a lot of creative approaches to trying to solve this. You know, um, they could have passed a statute that uh, uh, you know re- requires the PSC in a situation where a major infrastructure project is going to be on or near uh, a reservation or or in historic treaty lands or upstream or or whatever in those situations to require a consultation, a government to government consultation uh, on the reservation in the community affected. Something that wasn't done here, and, and that might have been a good step to trying to prevent these things on the front end. But they they haven't done any of that, and 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 that is a little disappointing because. I also, you know, I've spent a lot of time thinking about this and, and what the DAPL movement uh, means in, in the kind of the greater scope and sweep of American uh, American Indian law and policy. And I don't see DAPL as the end of anything. I think it's the beginning. is an op- is an example of a of a Native American tribe, the Standing Rock tr- Sioux tribe, um, projecting their sovereignty, you know, off into into you know real estate into property slightly off their reservation it's an exporting of their sovereignty if you will and again as i've discussed they were successful in that they got the federal government last fall to stop and to reassess and to again change position and say we're going to order a full uh, environmental impact study of this again that was overridden after the election of president trump and the courts will sort out whether or not that will stand but but it was at least at that point they had been successful and that's going to continue states and energy companies uh, need to understand as they operate here in the West that, that the tribes that they're dealing with today are not the same 
they're not at the same uh, situation as they were 30 or 40 years ago. Tribal institutions, tribal governments are becoming more robust. I mean, uh, most of these institutions are only 50 years old. They were started in the 70s, tribal governments, tribal councils, those sorts of things. They're becoming more robust. Uh, they're exercising their sovereignty. They're understanding their sovereignty. And they're exercising it more robustly. And if you look, you know, if you look at a map of the United States and you look at Indian country and you overlay that with a, a map of where the shale, shale oil and gas deposits are in this country. It's the same geography. And so this expansion of tribal sovereignty and the, the combination of hydraulic fracturing and horizontal drilling that's uh, led to the American energy uh, boom uh, are taking place in the same theater. They have to share the stage. And, and these, these issues are going to come up, I think, more and more frequently. And, and all of the actors, the federal government, the tribes, the energy industry, and states like North Dakota need to start thinking about how they're going to address these things on the front end so they don't end up with a DAPL-style situation. Yeah, and that's where I come at with, I've watched this legislative session now um, since uh, the beginning of January. They've got about two weeks left. And as you say, you know, as as energy development continues and and, uh, these sovereign governments, you know, get more more mature that this this should have been used as a time to sit back and say okay how do we prevent something like this from happening again you know at this point it, to me it's not who was right on that specific pipeline it's how do we come together, work together, so the energy industry isn't impacted, the relationship between our neighbors aren't impacted, and I haven't seen any of that. I've seen proposals to outlaw people from wearing masks or, you know, all these. There was a proposal in the legislature that would have allowed you to run somebody over with your car. Those are the wrong messages to send. Thankfully, I don't believe either of those pass. I could be wrong on the mask one. But instead of focusing on the back end after a protest has started, I have seen nothing in the way of preventing an incident or a protest from even taking place in the first place. This discussion that we're having this morning, again, I I agree with you. You you this isn't about whether or not the pipeline was properly cited or, or any of those things. We're not we're not talking about that. We're talking about how did the various actors involved here handle the the consultation and and negotiation process. Um, how did the state, the federal government, the tribe, and the uh, energy transfer partners? How did they handle that? And and that is those things are going to repeat over and over again. And we we need to have a plan in place. And regardless of how you feel about the pipeline as a North Dakotan, you're in favor of it. That, that's fine. I understand that completely. But you cannot – I don't think you can say that a, an acceptable outcome to a, disagree, to a political disagreement – I don't think anyone would say that an acceptable outcome to a political disagreement is the use of riot police uh, and the arrest of over 800 people. Um, you know, the, the, the use of the rubber bullets and things like that. that that's not that's – not, we as a society don't want our political disputes solved that way. We've, we've rejected that since the 60s. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that, that's uh, what, what eventually brought down Jim Crow, was that people wouldn't stand for political disputes being, being solved that way. And as a government, we as people of North Dakota, we should take a good hard look at our government and, and how did we, what did we do right and what did we do wrong um, that led to that result, because we don't want that result. It's, it's, it's wrong. And it's really expensive, and right. and we need to figure out a way that we can resolve political disputes with our friends and neighbors uh, in tribal communities 
that don't involve that level of force and that level of cost. It's not, it's not what this country's about. Right. Right. Well, uh, no, I think you, you nailed it. And, um, you know, they, they've got two weeks left about to, to maybe put something in. Uh, I unfortunately don't see it happening. And then we'll have to look to see what, if the PSC does anything with their, their rules or, or, or if we're just going to keep the status quo and keep our fingers crossed that something like this doesn't happen again is uh, kind of what they're leaving it up to at this point. So uh, yeah, well, I don't. I mean, I think we can do better than hope as a strategy, right? Yeah, I think we, yeah. we could uh, we could make some tweaks that uh, that uh, try and repair some of these uh, relationships, and you know, set in place a procedure that will hopefully work to to prevent a situation like this from occurring in the future. No, I agree, uh, Tim Pern. I appreciate you taking the time this morning to to visit with me with your your expertise on on this subject and just uh, the general environment in which we're we're currently in when it comes to uh, Native American relationships here in the state of North Dakota. Thanks a lot, Tyler. Yeah, thanks, Tim. Yep. All right, bye.